Welcome to Moving the Needle, a podcast of the American Association of Nurse Anesthesiology. I'm your host, Dr. Dina Velocci, president of the AANA. Thank you for tuning in. It is my pleasure to welcome U.S. Representative Dave Joyce, who serves the 14th District of Ohio. Congressman Joyce was elected in 2012 and is currently in his fifth term. Welcome to the podcast, Congressman Joyce. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. I thank you very much, and good morning to you, Dina, and to everyone out there. You know, as a proud husband of a nurse, you understand that any reform on our healthcare system must ensure that Americans have the freedom and the flexibility to choose the care that meets patient needs at an affordable cost. Uh, you know, that I think it's important that I, I bring that to work with me every single day, knowing that I've got to go home and answer to my wife if I'm not doing it right and I'm not taking care of business here. So I want to make sure that when I hear from her, especially during what all of you have been through for the last two years, that we're doing it right here. Well, I just want to say and thank you so much for being such a strong supporter of Certified Registered Nurse Anesthetist. My question to you is, what do we need reform in our healthcare system that ensures Americans receive high quality care and affordable cost? How does that insight with, with your significant other help you to look at operationalizing problems in the healthcare organizations and what we face? Well, certainly the COVID-19 pandemic has brought hardship and tragedy, but it's also all of you as the unsung heroes living among us in our communities. And, you know, I know the hard work that my wife puts in, and since I'm in D.C. and she's back at home in Cleveland, she takes the opportunity, since I'm not there, to put in even more time because she says, you know, one, I'm needed. And, you know, I know that these young families would like to be home with their kids and all. So I might as well do it now and, and take it home. And then every now and then she'll take some time off for me when I'm home. It's a wonderful thing. <laughs> but uh, I've also watched the challenges that healthcare organizations face working to provide the American people accessible and affordable health care. I know that a lot of times in talking to these CEOs, it used to be they were at 2% margins. And now they're talking down to one and a half percent margins or 1% margins. So the cost of the delivery of the care has gone up. And like you said, any reform of our healthcare system must ensure that Americans have the freedom and the flexibility. And that's something that you've drilled into me. And, and certainly Ralph, your guy here on the ground has made a point of drilling into me every time we meet uh, to choose the care that meets their individual needs at an affordable cost. And the best way to achieve that is to provide Americans with a patient-centered healthcare system in which patients and doctors can make the decisions without interference from the federal government. But that can become a reality until we address the ongoing nursing shortage and the other barriers that are facing healthcare system workers. Thank you for that. Um, as a co-chair of the Congressional Nursing Caucus, what are some of the key issues you see and initiatives you are working on? Well, you know, it, one of the things obviously is that there's a, a shortage uh, of educated and qualified nurses, including CRNAs. Uh, and that remains one of my top priorities, how we fill that. And I think if nothing else, the pandemic has drilled home the fact that you all are truly going to fill the family physician role now going forward since there's a shortage of family physicians too. Uh, so last Congress, I introduced the Title VIII Nursing Reauthorization Act for 2019. And this bill helps address the workforce shortages in the nursing field which have obviously been exacerbated by the pandemic, as we've said, by providing targeted funding to institutions that educate nurses. And I'm pleased to report that my bill was included in the CARES Act and signed into law by President Trump, ensuring that those interested in pursuing a career in nursing will have access 
to the training opportunities necessary to do so. This Congress, I was proud to co-lead the VA Nurse and Physician Assistant Raise Act, which would increase the rate of pay for certain nurses serving among our nation's heroes with the Department of Defense Affairs. We should continue to be working towards additional legislative measures that expand the scope of practice because we can't afford to undervalue the skills that are provided by the CRNAs. Well, sir, I do want to th- very much thank you for supporting those two bills, especially Title VIII funding. I was one of the recipients of that many years ago, so I appreciate you continued support in that. And also um, for the VA, uh, making sure that we do have equitable pay for them, that it's up to market because it's been down low for many years. So I appreciate that so much. In your support of the CRNAs and nurses and other healthcare providers, as you talked about, you um, recently introduced legislation as recently this past fall um, to address the healthcare professional shortage with the Department of Veteran Affairs. For us, we want to know, we appreciate that working in the front lines and how it shows your commitment to taking care of the brave men and women who have defended our country and our freedoms. In addition, with our nation on the verge of a nursing shortage, as we've talked about, what benefits do you see removing practice barriers for CRNAs? Well, I was proud to work across the aisle to introduce the VA Nurse and Physician Assistant Raise Act because the VA needs to attract and retain top-notch medical professionals and provide our heroes with this medical care. And while the nursing shortage places a huge strain on the VA, the reality is that if we maximize the effectiveness of each of the over 900 CRNAs working in the Veterans Health Administration, veterans would be able to get greater access to the care that they need. And I truly believe my father being left in battle and wounded in World War II, that veterans who risk their lives for our country shouldn't have to suffer in pain while they wait for surgery to be scheduled, particularly when qualified CRNAs are on staff and can be there to help them. And I so appreciate that. I have family members that have served um, and numerous from World War II, Vietnam War, and recently as the Gulf War. So I appreciate your dedication to providing access and quality care to them and that they don't have to wait for that help. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about the VA Quality Healthcare Accountability and Transparency Act, why is it important to examine the VA system and what are some of the issues it's facing? And if the barrier is removed within the VA system, what effects do you believe it will experience in the short term and long term? Thanks for the question. That's a great one. I introduced this bill to help the VA become more accessible and transparent to our nation's veterans. I mean, one of the biggest complaints you have is that on both those subjects, accessibility and transparency. And it's important that the VA proactively informs veterans about the standards and timeliness of the care that they provide. It's the same reason I supported the Patient Advocate Tracker Act, which empowers veterans by ensuring they have the ability to submit complaints about their delays in the delivery care and actively track the status of their complaint. With ongoing staffing shortages in VA facilities, surgeries are being rescheduled and unfortunately delayed. I know that's system-wide, but certainly in the VA. In 2017, the VA Medical Center in Denver had to delay or cancel as many as 90 surgeries due to a lack of anesthesia providers. Rather than relaxing the practice barriers for CRNAs, the center chose to hire four additional anesthesiologists at a total of cost of $1.6 million. The moral of the story is that high quality care for veterans can be provided sooner at a lower cost to the taxpayer if the VA eliminated the practice barriers for the, the CRNAs. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. I also look at the opportunity cost of when you choose a more effective and cost-effective safe model and you have that flexibility in the system, then you're able to take those dollars and help to areas like I would think for psychiatric care, since a lot of our veterans suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, this would be a great way to right-side those costs and provide more care across the board. So I totally agree with you. Do you think the removal of barriers also applies to the restrictions at the federal level? And what are the most common criticisms you hear about these ideas and what would you say to counter them? Well, the data we have proves that care is delivered more effectively at a federal level, level when these barriers are removed. Studies have shown that CMS temporarily suspended the position supervision requirements for CRNAs and patients received enhanced care. CMS concludes uh, this themselves, noting that between March and June of 2020, CRNAs were among the top 20 specialties that served the Americans insured under Medicare or Medicaid at the height of the pandemic. The two most common criticisms I hear are the patient safety will decline if barriers to practice are reduced and that CRNAs are not properly trained to provide care without the supervision of a physician. To those concerns, I would say, look, the data just doesn't back that up, that criticism. In a June 2010 study from Nursing Economic found no measurable difference in the quality of care between CRNAs and other anesthesia providers. And as you can attest to Dina, CRNAs undergo an incredible rigorous training and education process. The average CRNA completes 8,636 hour, clinical hours and has an average eight and a half years of training and education before ever becoming registered as a CRNA. That's not to mention that by 2025, CRNAs will be required to earn doctoral degrees. And I think it's, I don't think it could be any more clearer that the CRNAs have the qualifications, training and education needed to provide high quality, safe care to patients across the country. And you know, I know in nursing as a whole, physicians rely on the nurses when they come in. You know, what do you see here? What are, what are the issues? What are the problems? And make their call on that. So if you're already trained to do that, what do you need to, <laughs> I know physicians will like theirs, but what do you need them there for? We've already got the expert in the field, in the room. I do like collaboration. I mean, I totally agree. We can totally work to our top scope of practice, but it's nice to always have that collegial relationship between the two. But I think to me, why have a double system, right? Two people doing one patient, we should all do our own patients. And then therefore we can actually probably maybe fix the workforce shortage because we can actually fluff us out even more, you know, to cover it that way. So that's kind of my uh, thoughts on that one. But Thank you, Congressman Joyce, for your insights. I appreciate all your help and your support for us. And in your opinion, what can those in the healthcare policy arena and lawmakers do to ensure to support removing barriers for CNA practice so that we have access to quality care and we can possibly maybe fix the workforce shortage? Uh, another great question. The advice I would seek, or you know, I'm just a, one guy in Northeastern Ohio, but you have people all throughout the country. For any American who's passionate about ensuring that veterans and patients have access to timely care, they deserve the need to ensure this issue remains at the forefront of the national, <clears throat> excuse me, discourse for care. And you should be taking the opportunity to make the case to VA that barriers to practice should be reduced for qualified, dedicated Americans who serve as CRNAs. Take that to your local congressman. Take that to your local VA hospital. Continue to do it. Well, I can advocate on your behalf yeah, the, the quality, the, the advocacy is much better coming directly from you all. I appreciate that. And as a congressman, 
You have also sought legislation that address mental health needs. So many across the healthcare provider community have long experienced high levels of stress and burnout. And with COVID-19 pandemic exacerbating these issues. So how can we prioritize the mental health of our frontline healthcare professions or professionals who are caring for some of our most vulnerable patients? Well, for the past two years, nurses and other frontline healthcare workers have been the backbone of our communities uh, across the country. And Congress needs to prioritize the policies that promote health and well-being. This Congress, I co-sponsored the Coronavirus Mental Health and Addiction Assistance Act, which would establish a network of organizations that provide mental health support programs for the duration of the pandemic. It's my hope that this legislation like this will serve as an opportunity to put a spotlight on valuing the mental health of frontline healthcare workers and ensuring that they receive the help that they need. Telemedicine, I, I can't tell you that I, you know, I would consider broadband part of the infrastructure package, but I'm a big fan now, a big true believer in it during the pandemic for the combination. Uh, parts of my district were underserved and you have uh, people who were sitting in McDonald's parking lots to download homework and other thing and uh, get that. But also the telemedicine was uh, and telehealth, especially the mental health, having the ability to reach out and contact somebody on a phone and be able to at least touch base with somebody because of the isolation that the pandemic brought has made me a believer. I I'm, I'm really want to be a part of the solution when it comes to telemedicine and tele-mental health moving forward. I totally agree with you. The ability to have the telehealth allowed people to still stay connected. I mean, the only other issue I see is that it was getting people to surgeries. I feel that when you have people that needed to be diagnosed for cancers and stuff, that was the only piece with the pandemic. We worried about whether they were going to get timely care because it was so things were so locked down. But the telehealth, especially for mental health, it allowed people to reach out to someone and answer those problems, even if they were afraid to come out, they were able to at least get access to care. So I totally agree with you that with um, telemedicine, it, it really revolutionized um, the way that people were able to access care, especially in the rural areas. So totally agree with you there. Once again, I want to thank you for your support for CRNAs. And on the behalf of our profession and community, I want again to express our gratitude for the many ways you have advocated for nurses, especially for CRNAs, an example of what your resolution presented to the House of the Representatives in January, acknowledging National CRNA Week. And why was this so important to you as a way to recognize CRNAs? Hey, it's only right to recognize the contributions of our nation's CRNAs and the important role they have in providing quality health care for the American people. I was proud to co-lead the resolution and I'm grateful for all the CRNAs do to ensure that the highest levels of patient safety and anesthesia care, especially as we continue to navigate this ongoing pandemic. Well, I just want to thank you again, my guest, Congressman Joyce, for joining me for a captivating conversation about some of the critical issues facing healthcare today. Enjoy having you on Moving the Needle. So thanks again and hope to see you soon. And please join us next time for another episode of Moving the Needle. Thanks for listening in. If you enjoy what you've heard and like, subscribe, tell your friends, come back soon and we'll be sure to visit ana.com. Thanks again. Thank you for having me. God bless you all.